as the baskets go around, I want to um, just tell you how excited I am about uh, this message today. Um, some of you uh, in this room haven't met, but we actually have in this, uh, in this church a celebrity. We have the most beautiful creature ever created. She's over there in the kids' area. Her name is uh, Annie Halpin, and, uh, and she has been number one for like the last five years of voted the prettiest creation ever made. Um, don't ask who voted, but it's pretty obvious. But um, a few, uh, in 2010, God put on my heart to, uh, and my wife's heart, and we started praying about adopting um, a child. And God drew us to Ethiopia. He drew us to, um, uh, to that country for several reasons. And we went, uh, about four years ago, we went to Ethiopia and we got to meet our child. We got to bring her home. And Annie is just the, she has changed our life. She is such a blessing to us. But while we were there, we also got to visit a transition home uh, where she was. And we got to actually see a, a lot of children in Ethiopia and I was beforehand, I didn't know what adopting a child would be like. I had a lot of fears. Um, I knew my child would be perfect, but I had fears of, oh my gosh, I'm going to be around all these other kids. And I didn't know what it was going to be like, but I would meet these kids, and I'm telling you, the joy and the smile on their faces, it was just so empowering. It was so impactful. And, and as we left, and we, it, it kind of just began to break our heart that there are, are, are millions of children in Ethiopia that... We could not adopt. There are, are millions of children that don't have the hope of a forever family, don't have what we would love to be able to give to them. And, and everyone that went with us had that same feeling. And so as we came back, a part of my heart was there too of, I, I, I want to do more. I want to, to be a part of the solution of this uh, crisis that is going on, not just in Ethiopia, but all over the world. And so a mutual friend of, of mine introduced me to the man who you're going to meet today. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and uh, invite uh, Belai up to the stage. And uh, after I met Belai, I just saw the Lord open up some doors. I actually got you some water too, Belai, so there you go. And uh, just meeting him, the first time I met him, I knew this is who we, we need to get behind him. I knew that I was limited in what, what I could do personally, but I began to hear what Belai was doing and, who, and just his heart. And, and then I met him, and I'm just going to warn you. I, I said this in the first service. I don't even know if you would take this as a compliment. Um, he, when, when Belai speaks, he's very gentle. In fact, he can be in a room and sit and not talk, which is the exact opposite of, of me, by the way. But uh, don't mistake his gentleness uh, for the impact he is making in Ethiopia and even in the United States. And uh, the influence that he has uh, goes throughout the entire country that God has, has shown favor. Um, and you're just going to get a little glimpse of it, but... Um, but I'm telling you, the impact he is making all over the country uh, is overwhelming to me. But the main thing that, uh, as I was talking with him, I just began to realize that I may be limited. There, I may not be able to, to go and save every child, but God has put on the hearts of, of men and women in Ethiopia. There are, are men and women who have this vision for these children's just, children just like I do, and so I, I made that commitment as our church, we're going to do everything we can 
to introduce you to uh, Belai and now to Koki, his beautiful wife as well, and let them. And, and we're going to support them, and we're going to do everything we can. And this is just the beginning of what we hope Connection Point uh, um, can do. Is right now we give a financial gift to them, but we have such a big vision of how our church can support their work. And I, I just can't emphasize enough the wisdom and the heart uh, that has drawn me to uh, just. Put, put a lot of our efforts in Belai and a hope of what God is going to do in Ethiopia through the vision uh, that he has given uh, um, Belai. And so I'm going to say a word of prayer for, for Belai, and then Belai is going to tell us, um, the, give, bring in the message today. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you that we can take a day to celebrate not just mothers, but to celebrate Lord, all, all of the opportunities we have to invest in people, and just as a, a mother is a great example of someone who invests in, the, in children, Lord, we pray that you'll open our hearts to the opportunities that we have to invest in children all over the world, to show that the love of God all over the world. So Lord, I pray in the next few minutes that you will speak through Belai and that you will just pierce our hearts. Let us see not just the, the need, but the opportunities we have to walk and to follow you, and to see lives changed all over the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's on. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a great privilege and honor for me uh, to come here uh, to share the word of God with you and also just to be encouraged also, um, uh, we're so blessed uh, to have you as a partner and your giving and your support, your prayer is making a big difference in the life of many children in Ethiopia. And uh, today uh, I came with my beautiful wife, uh, Koki. Please uh, stand up, Mara, and say hi. She looked like Cleopatra. <laughs> Actually, today is our anniversary. It's uh, three months and 14 days. <laughs> and uh, the good thing is, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people ask me how you guys met and everything. Uh, actually, the person who introduced us are in the midst of us, Beza. So she's there as well. <laughs> Uh, God is good. Uh, I have been uh, praying for a long time for her to come into my life. And God, in his miraculous way, he brought her to my field. And then uh, we got married, and uh, we're celebrating our anniversary every day. <laughs> I want to say happy Mother's Day as well for mothers in the house. Uh, this is very special for me uh, whenever I think about Mothers, uh, I am very thankful that I had a mom for eight years. Uh, my mom passed away when I was eight years old. Uh, but I'm very thankful because I work with kids and I got to see a lot of children without moms and dads. And uh, especially a few girls who've been abandoned in young age, uh, they don't even have any opportunity. Maybe uh, they spend the first few hours with their moms. And uh, whenever I see them, I am very thankful and grateful. 
How many of you are mothers here? So can we appreciate them? One of the frequent questions I have been asked in the past, even currently, is why you call your ministry Hope for the Fatherless? Uh, how about the motherless? Uh, but I got to see the greatest need in, in our nation is the absence of a father. Uh, mothers are always present. Mothers are always trying to love their children. Uh, but the absence of a father uh, makes uh, the life very difficult for many mothers, many children. Uh, the city I live in is called Addis Ababa, and it's surrounded with mountains, with beautiful mountains. And one of the mountains is called Ntoto Mountain. Then uh, often I love to go there and just to see the city uh, from the top of the mountain. Uh, it's very beautiful, uh, especially in the summer. and the rainy season, you see um, it's very green uh, and beautiful place. Then a few miles from this spot, you find a church. It's an Orthodox church called St. Mary Church. Uh, whenever I visited this church, the first time I went to that church, uh, I got to see a lot of people. 90% of the people are women. And you, you can see poverty in their eyes. You can see sickness in their eyes. And I asked a friend of mine, uh, what are they doing? And he said they came from different countryside to take holy water so that they can recover, they can recover from their sickness. And most of them are HIV positive. And trusting God that God is going to bring healing uh, through this holy water. And uh, throughout the day, uh, you see these mothers on the street, on that area, begging for food, begging for money. And I had opportunity to, to, to ask them questions. I said, uh, why you came here? Some of them, they said, oh, my husband died with HIV AIDS and I was not able to raise my kids. So that I, I came here to, just to, to get the holy water. I have been here for five years, four years, but I didn't get recover. I didn't get healing. And I asked them again, do you have any prayers? Do you pray to God? They said, yes, every night when we go to bed, we pray. God, who's going to take care of my child when I die? Right now, people are just praying that. A lot of mothers are praying, who's going to take care of my child when I die? It's very hard also to see these mothers trying to provide. Uh, in the same mountain, you see a lot of mothers carrying uh, wood, collecting wood from different places, and for hours taking from one place to another place. It just breaks my heart so much. Uh, I tried to carry it. In two minutes, I was not able to carry it anymore. But their strength and also their suffering is very amazing. 
In our living room, we have a scripture that I love to meditate on all the time. It's in Micah 6, 8. Um, it says, act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. So in Micah, he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This scripture has shaped my life uh, so that I can seek justice for the oppressed. I can defend the cause of the fatherless and also to be compassionate for other people. I always examine myself, am I acting justly? Am I seeking for justice? Am I a person of mercy, compassion? Am I walking in humility with God? And these three things can go together. We know that God is a sovereign God, right? God is a sovereign God. We, like there's a lot of problem on earth, like the orphan crisis, human trafficking, so many things. But we know that God is a sovereign God. When we know that God is sovereign, we can, that means we're walking humbly with God. But also, he wants us to seek justice. He wants us to be compassionate for other people. In Isaiah 117, it says, Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Learn to do right. It's a learning process. It's not one time. God wants us to learn. He wants us to learn to do right, to seek justice, to defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. What's, what's to love mercy? And I go back in the first scripture. It says, God wants us to love mercy. Whenever I think this, uh, there's a good story in the Bible in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. I would love uh, for us to, to read and to meditate on this uh, portion of scripture and on the story. Verse 25, it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up and to put him to test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Before this, Jesus was receiving the 70 disciples. The 70 uh, disciples went to a, a mission trip, and they came back with a great news. And Jesus told, uh, they were reporting to him the exciting thing that was happening in the neighborhood, in the villages, but Jesus told them, do not be rejoiced about other things, but rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. While he was talking about the eternal life, this man, the lawyer, was asking, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And with all your mind and your neighbors as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So it was very simple to inherit the kingdom of God. Just love God and love people. Is that simple? To love God, to come to church and to worship him, to read the scripture, to pray, and to have communion and fellowship, and also to love our neighbors. Who is our neighbors? But, but he desired to justify himself, this lawyer, and said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was, so Jesus started telling him a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by to the other side. So likewise, the Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wound, put on oil and wine. And he sat him in his own animal and brought him to inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two dinar and gave them to the inner keeper saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will, repay, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think provide to the neighbor, to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. The reason I read this uh, verse for you is it's a very nice story. To read it, maybe it will take a minute, but to live it, it will take a lifetime. I, I, I always have joy whenever uh, I read this scripture, but I test myself. I ask myself, am I like the Levite or the priest or the Samaritan? The opportunity is great and it's very vast to love our neighbor. Imagine the three people, the priest and the Levite, their job is to reconcile the heart of God to the people and also the heart of the people, to bring the heart of the people to God and to be an instrument of peace and righteousness for the people. So they were walking, they saw him, and they know that that person is created by the image and the likeness of God. But they saw him, and they went the other side. I think, whenever I think about these two people, the Levites and the, the priest, I think they were thinking... What's going to happen to me if I help this person? 
are they going to kill me? But the Samaritan was saying, hmm, if I don't help him, who's going to help him? If I don't help him today, when? Look, this Samaritan, he saw him. He was walking, he saw him, then he stopped, he paused. And the Bible says he had compassion towards him. Compassion means to feel what the other person is feeling. Then he went to him and he cleaned him up. He put oil, he massaged his body, he poured he pour wine in his wounds and he bandaged them. I don't think he's a doctor. I think he used his, his own clothes. And he took him to the inn. And the Bible says he kept him the whole night. Have you ever had um, a time when your relative or friends got sick, they were in hospital bed, and you supposed to keep them there? It's not a fun place to be, right? even for your own uh, people. So this person, he was just sitting there the whole night, kept him. Maybe he took him to the bathroom many times. He provided water or things like that. Then in the morning, he paid the price, and he said, whatever cost he have, I will pay when I come back. So he kept him in a safe place. So whenever I think of this story, I think about Jesus. He came from heaven to earth. He found us between life and death. Then he paid a price on the cross. And he placed each one of us in a church. Then he said, I will come back for you. So if we believe that, that we are loved, we were all orphans, right? But today we said we have a father. We have a heavenly father. He rescued us so that we can rescue other people. He loved us so that we can experience love. In 1 John 3.16 it says... Um, we need to love other people. It's a commandment. We need to love other people. Who is my neighbor? Who is your neighbor? A neighbor is any person who's created by the image of God, who needs your help. Maybe it's not the person who's living next door. Maybe the person across the country. Like I was just thinking, um, if any was not rescued by the family, imagine her life. And as, as he was saying, I experienced a lot of things in the orphanage. Whenever I, I visited orphanage, like hundreds of children you see there. 
and maybe one picked often. Now there is no inter-country adoption as well. But you see children stuck in the orphanage. And I strongly believe God wants to place a lonely in a family, not in the orphanage. I, I do believe that. And we, our calling is to defend the cause of the fatherless. You know, in, in, during Roman Empire time, um, whenever they have uh, girls and also deformed children, they used to throw them in, uh, it's called exposed, by the, by the wall. Christians used to wake up early in the morning and try to rescue these children, rescue them from wild animals. Because they know what it means to be rescued. In the country I live in, we have more than 5.6 million orphans. If you want to know the numbers, it's like equivalent with the state of Colorado. Children without mom and dad. In the city we live in, we have more than 50,000 street children. But in, in, Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, it says, Jesus, uh, the word of the Lord says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah said, send me. There is a, a cycle of uh, something that I observe in my own uh, country. Um, this is Katie is the orphanage, the government orphanage, from zero to eight years old. So when you see children there, in one small room, you see infant children. In one crib, you see four kids together. And in that small room, you see 60 or 70 kids crying, but they have only two caregivers. Every day children dies in that orphanage. Every day children comes to that orphanage. And also when you, in the same compound, when you go out, you see other kids playing around, running around, maybe 80, 90 of them. They have one person just watching over them. These kids can get food, shelter, bed, but they don't have love. They don't have someone who holds them, someone who cares for them. So from KT, they go to Boys and Girls Orphanage from 8 to 18. When they are 18, they age out, and the boys, they become street kids, most of them, and the girls, they give birth, and they bring their child to the orphanage. So the cycle is just going over again and again. Those are my neighbors. Those are the kids that I would love to fight for the rest of my, my life. 
I, I, I want to see uh, this orphanage being shut down. Actually, recently, my wife and I, we've been invited by the president of Ethiopia uh, to talk to us. She said, what's the solution for this? And I was able to speak up for, for all these kids. And we're working on it to how we can minimize the number of orphans and also how to place these children in a family. Next slide, please. I remember in, in 2016, um, I went back to Ethiopia. I, I was here for five years serving with other organizations. Uh, then I said, I'm going to open a transition home, and I want to take from KT to Hope House. I want to take kids from there so that I can place them in a family or I can give them better life. Instead of 300 children in one place, it's better for 10 kids in, in one place. Next slide, please. Then we took the first group of kids uh, in 2017. These kids today are in a forever home. We have house parents. Next slide, please. Uh, we have house parents, and they go to a very good uh, Christian school, and they changed a lot. Next slide, please. Um, in 2018, uh, we opened our second home. It's called Faith House. Uh, I felt like God wants me to open another home, and we start building all the furnitures. Uh, within three months, God provided everything, and we brought 10 more children from the same orphanage. Next slide, please. Those are the kids who came uh, uh, to uh, Faith House. So in this picture, uh, you can tell or you cannot tell, but you also uh, will see a video. But they give me kids that's unwanted. Some of them, they are very difficult. Some of them, they have physical and mental disabilities. Next slide, please. Today, they are changed. Um, what makes me happy is whenever I go and visit these kids, uh, when their the skin color is changing, when the hair is growing, when they are laughing, when they are just crying, it just makes me happy. Next slide, please. In the past two years since we start our ministry, uh, we're able to place three kids in a forever family. You know, the Bible says God placed a lonely in a family. And it's just heartbreaking to say goodbye to these children. But I can see whenever they say goodbye, I see God is just holding their hand and place them in a family. So, loving our neighbors, it costs life. It costs our energy cost our money, it cost our life. I'm not saying it's easy, it's very difficult sometimes. Sometimes I see it with caregivers and they say, no, I cannot work with this child. Caregivers can, can leave, but I always tell the kids, this is your home, this is your house, I'm there for you. 
Uh, they call me Uncle Ben, uh, but today uh, they love my wife more than, more than me. <laughs> I'm a little bit jealous. Uh, but I want to encourage you something. Um, it's not for us to be a hero. But it's good to be used by God. Just to be an instrument of peace and righteousness. Sometimes when I feel very dry in my spirit, I just go to the government orphanage, spend my day there, and just see all the needs. And I say, oh, this is opportunity for me to live. Sometimes you don't need to go overseas to save lives. Sometimes just I pray that God will open our eyes so that we can see the need around us too. Just talk to the kids. Ask them their name, their age, what they want to be. Encourage them. I would love to show you a video of our ministry um, so that you'll be encouraged. Thank you so much. God bless you.